Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, November 4th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. A win and a prayer. That seems to be the Federal Reserve monetary policy. If you listen closely to the messaging that's coming out of the central bank, about the only thing you're going to come away with is confusion. The messaging is mixed. And let's be honest, there really doesn't seem to be an actual plan. In fact, if you go back and look at the entirety of post-pandemic monetary policy, it becomes obvious that Powell and company are basically just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping something sticks. Think about it. We went from there is no inflation, don't worry, to inflation is transitory, don't worry, to uh uh-oh, there's some inflation, but we've got it under control, don't worry, to Powell's latest admission, yeah, inflation is higher and has lasted longer than we anticipated. But hey, don't worry. I mean, think about this for a minute. They call what the central bank does monetary policy. It sounds scientific, right? It sounds like it's based on some kind of concrete principles or ideas or, uh, you know, academic theory or something. But really, the only thing concrete about it is that they want inflation at 2%, which really isn't concrete either. That's just a made-up number. I mean, what's magical about 2%? Why 2%? Why not 1%? Why not 2.5%? How do we know that 2% is just the right amount of inflation? Nobody can answer that question because there's no real reasoning behind it. It's just the number, right? And it's becoming increasingly clear that they have no idea what to do to get the CPI back to the magic number. After the Fed meeting, somebody asked Powell, what is the underlying rate of inflation? What is it really? I mean, not the headline CPI. What are we really talking about as far as underlying inflation? And he admitted they have no idea. They don't know. That means they don't really have any clue how high they need to raise interest rates to get to a positive real rate. So, They're basically just raising rates, hoping at some point it will be enough to tamp down inflation back to the mythical 2% rate before the economy crashes. Also, by the way, the Fed has no clue what to do if inflation doesn't come down and these rate hikes end up causing an economic crisis. It's a wing and a prayer. Powell was also asked if inflation had become entrenched. And that answer was also, uh, we don't know. You know, I don't know seems to be the theme here, right? And yet, these are supposed to be the geniuses with the knowledge to run our money. By the way, I know the answer to that last question. Of course, inflation is entrenched. Inflation is the expansion of the money supply. Even if they pull it down to 2%, that's still entrenched inflation. Inflation is entrenched as a matter of policy. It just so happens that it seems to be entrenched at a higher rate right now than people are comfortable with. You see, that's the dirty little secret here. Government needs an expanding money supply to manage all of its borrowing and spending. 
the beauty of fiat money is they can just print money out of thin air. You know, back in the old days, it was hard. They actually had to dilute the purity of gold with other metals or clip gold coins. Today, it just has to run the printing press. But governments have always faced this problem. They've never wanted sound money. Government has to monetize at least some of its debt. It can't hand out all of the goodies that it hands out with honest money, especially given all of the borrowing and spending that we see today. The balancing act for the government is to expand the money supply, in other words, create inflation, at a rate that it can squeeze the inflation tax out of you, but not quite so much that you start to complain about rising prices. That's the magic of 2% inflation. They've convinced everybody that 2% inflation is good, so we just all accept that. You know, We accept that it's okay for our purchasing power to drop a little bit, 2%, because you know we don't really notice and we're told it's good for us. And I I'm fully convinced at some point they're going to try to convince us, you know, we were wrong about that 2%. We need it to be 3% or 4% because, again, 2% is just a number they pulled out of thin air, right? Anyway, at this point, with stimulus and, and COVID funding and $5 trillion in funny money that was injected into the economy, they went a little far. They overdid it, and now the Fed is doing wing and a prayer monetary policy trying to fix it. So let's look a little deeper at this week's FOMC meeting. As expected, the Fed delivered another 75 basis point rate hike, and that pushed the Fed funds rate to between 3.75 and 4%. Now, the last time interest rates were this high was January 2008. Think about that for a second. We are now at the interest rate where we saw the financial crisis of 2008. Now, I'm going to be honest here. I'm a little surprised that they've been able to push rates this high without breaking something in the economy or in the financial system. I thought that once they got above about 2.53% that something would crack. Because I'm I'm looking back and things got shaky in 2018 at 2.5%. Today we have a lot more debt and a lot more malinvestment in the economy than we did in 2008, certainly, and even than we did in 2018. So I thought that there's no way that they're going to be able to get rates to, you know, almost 4% without breaking something. So why why has that happened? Well, as I was thinking about it, it's really kind of clear. I think the reason they got rates this high is because they did it so fast. And as the Fed statement pointed out, this last FOMC statement, monetary policy works with a lag, right? If you go back and look at the trajectory of rates that led up to the 2008 crisis, they actually started raising rates, get this, in 2004. So they started raising rates that ultimately popped the housing bubble. That started in 2004, four years before we actually had the financial crisis. That was after they dropped rates to 1% in the wake of the dot-com bubble bursting. So dot-com bubble bursts. Uh, Greenspan drops rates. They go all the way down to 1%. That's as low as they had ever been. A lot of easy money. They started pumping up the economy again, blowing up bubbles. They started blowing up the housing bubble. They actually started backing off of that in 2004. So from 2004, they went from 1% to a peak of 5.25% in June of 2006. So 
That was the peak of the rate hike cycle in 2006. They started cutting rates in September of 2007. The financial crisis didn't happen until the fall of 08. So they actually popped the bubble economy in the housing market way before we saw the impact in 08. They were already lowering rates when the financial crisis popped off. So you can see that there was a big lag. They peaked out rates in 04. And then from there, they started dropping them. It didn't happen until 08 until something dropped. I don't think it's going to take three or four years. Um, I still think we're going to see something crack in this economy pretty quickly. It could happen as early as next week. It could happen in six months. I guess it could even be a year. I'd be surprised. But again, I'm surprised that they pushed it this long. So, you know, let's look at the trajectory of, of what we've done in this cycle. They didn't start raising rates until March of this year, right? And you'll recall the first hike was just a quarter percent. So they really didn't get going with these 75 basis point hikes until May. So May, June, July, August, September, October, November. We're now up to 3.75 to 4%. It hasn't had time to work. It hasn't brought down inflation. Clearly, we're still seeing high CPI. We're seeing core inflation even still going up even with these rate hikes, and it hasn't broken anything in the economy. Although, if you look at the underlying numbers, uh, there's a lot of ricketiness. Ricketiness, that's what we're seeing in the economy. Uh, You look at the housing market, you look at the PMI indexes. um, All of these things are starting to show the softness, but we haven't had nearly enough time for these rate hikes to work. They've jacked them up so freaking fast. So as I've thought about all of this, I've come to the conclusion that it might take a while, as I said, but I'm still convinced the economy is going to break and the Fed is still going to have to choose a broken economy or inflation. And I still think it's going to choose inflation. I just don't know what the timeline on all of this is. Now, I know there's people out there that are listening to me that think the Fed's not going to pivot and that things aren't going to break. I don't know what the basis for that is. Like, I I get it. You're looking at things and and the Fed is still talking tough and the economy is still kind of lurching along. And what I'm saying doesn't seem to be happening. But what's your basis? I mean, we saw the the monetary policy that led to the dot-com bubble. And we saw the dot-com bubble pop. And we saw the rinse and repeat that created the housing crisis. And then that bubble popped. And then we started to jack up interest rates again. And the economy was getting shaky in 2018. And the only thing that really saved it from that collapse was the pandemic. Because they were able to stimulate on steroids. They were able to inject $5 more dollars into this bubble economy. So... I don't understand why anybody would think that the Fed is going to somehow get away with it this time. In my mind, it's all a matter of timing. And I confess, I'm not good at timing. But anyway, let's uh, go back to I, I got off track. See, this is what happens when I start getting off my notes. Um, yeah, so the, I, I still think the Fed is going to be faced with that choice. They're either going to have to choose the crashing economy, or they're going to have to choose the inflation. And if history tells us anything, they're ultimately going to choose inflation. So at any rate, the markets had already priced in the November rate hike. Everybody expected 75 basis points. We got the 75 basis points. 
the anticipation for this meeting all centered on Fed messaging. Would the central bank signal a pivot away from tightening? Or would it remain committed to increasing rates even as the economy has become shaky? Now, remember last week I talked about this soft pivot. And I think that that was an intentional trial balloon. I think they had to do something because the bond market was obviously in danger of completely collapsing. So they managed to kind of shore that up. So what did we get out of this Fed uh, meeting? We got a lot of mixed messaging. I mean, it was anything but definitive. In fact, I came away more confused than I was before it started. Now, the official FOMC statement did signal that there would be additional hiking. Quote, the committee anticipates that ongoing increases in the target range will be appropriate in order to attain a stance of monetary policy that is sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2% over time. So nothing really shocking there. They're not done tightening yet because obviously you can't say, well, we're done when you have a CPI over 8%. But there was new language in this FOMC statement that left wiggle room for a slowdown in hiking or even a pause with language about monetary policy lags and cumulative effects. Quote, in determining the pace of future increases in the target range, the committee will take into account the cumulative tightening of monetary policy, the lags with which monetary policy affects economic activity and inflation, and economic and financial developments. So, If you read between the lines there, what they're saying is we might need to slow things down before we really see the impact because there's a lag and we're going to see more impact down the road. So this gives them the ability to plausibly pause, pivot, slow down before we actually see a a real cooling in inflation because they can say, well, we think we've done enough and we have to see what the cumulative effect is and how much lag we have. So the addition of this language uh, gives the impression that the Fed might start to slow things down, right? In fact, that's exactly how the markets read it. The Dow Jones initially jumped about 300 points when this statement was released. So everybody's like, oh, good. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think they're signaling we're going to slow down. That's good. Uh, We'll get our easy money back. And and the stock market went up. But in the post-meeting press conference, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell tamped the optimism down, and his remarks were widely viewed as hawkish. To sum it up, Powell said, quote, it is very premature to be thinking about pausing. He also indirectly noted the higher than expected October CPI, saying that incoming data since our last meeting suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates will be higher than previously expected. So they were originally saying a little over 4%. Now he's saying, oh, we might have to go higher than that to get this inflation down. Powell's tough talk immediately threw cold water on the stock market rally. The Dow closed down over 500 points on Wednesday. So it rallied 300 initially on optimism. But then when Fed started running, or when Powell started running his mouth, uh, the stock market sold off. Now, Powell did back off a little bit as he answered questions, and he even said a slowing rate, uh, a slowing of rate hikes could come as early as the December meeting. Quote, as we come closer to that level and move further into restrictive territory, the question of speed becomes less important. And that's why I've said at the last two press conferences that at some point it will be important to slow the pace of increases. So that time is coming, and it may come as soon as the next meeting or the one after that. No decision has been made. Now, if you really dissect 
that word salad, the point I made earlier is pretty clear. They don't have a clue. At some point, they'll slow rate increases. Well, yeah, duh. (laughs) They don't know when, though. They have no clue. It's a wing and a prayer. They hope that it's working, and they're praying that they can pivot before the uh, before you start to notice that the economy is tanking. Speaking of which, Powell was much less optimistic to, uh, optimistic about the so-called soft landing. He said, we've always said that it was going to be difficult, but to the extent that rates have to go higher and stay higher for longer, it becomes harder to see that path. It's narrowed. I would say the path is narrowed over the course of the last year. So... Brace yourself, because the soft landing is going to be hard. One last thing that Powell said that was kind of telling. He said the central bank was more worried about not tightening enough than it was about over-tightening, because, you know, the Fed can use its tools to stimulate the economy if the economy gets too weak. In other words, we can go back to rate cuts in QE if we have to. But here's the thing. Let's just say that the Fed does win the inflation fight. Let's say it actually manages to get back to the magic 2% CPI. I don't think it can do it, but let's pretend like this all works to get it there even before the economy crashes. But then we're in a recession and things are getting really tight in the in the economy. So the Fed goes back to easy money because we've won the inflation fight, right? Now that we've won, we can go back and we can cut rates and we can go back to QE. What happens? Inflation goes right back up. Whatever progress they made is undone. That's the crux of the problem for the Fed. It cannot have a healthy economy and low inflation because they've spent the last several decades building an economy that is utterly dependent on the drug of easy money. The economy cannot live without low interest rates and quantitative easing. can live for a while, but the bubbles are going to pop and they're going to have to go back and reinflate the bubbles. Now, if you think that Jerome Powell has enough fortitude to say, you know what? Screw the economy. We're going to get it off of this easy money drug. We're going to make it go through the withdrawals. We're going to make it suffer the pain that we need it to suffer in order to cleanse out its system. If you think that Powell is going to do that, then you can believe that interest rates are going to stay high forever. But I don't think Powell has that in him. I don't think anybody in a position of power, has the courage to do that. They are more willing to deal with inflation, to make excuses for inflation, than they are to deal with a crashing economy. So, while the Dow did shed 500 points after the meeting, and it shed another 100 points yesterday, 100 plus, gold is actually held relatively steady through all of this. Uh, There was a bit of sell-off yesterday, but this morning gold was actually up about 20 bucks. And as I was preparing the the podcast, it was over 1650, which is right about where we were Wednesday before the Fed drama. So for once, uh, we had this hawkish talk from the Fed. We had this expectation that the Fed is going to continue fighting inflation and the gold market didn't tank. Now, we'll see what happens today. We're going to get the uh, the unemployment numbers for um, for October. So we, we may see a sell-off. Uh, we'll check that when I get to the end of the show and see where we are. But for now, uh, as, as I'm talking, gold is actually up. 
So before I wrap up, I do want to touch on the third quarter gold demand data that was recently uh, released by the World Gold Council. Now, overall, gold demand was up 28% year on year in Q3. And year to date, gold demand is up about 18% compared to the same period in 2021. Now, I bet a lot of you find that surprising given the drop in the price of gold that we've seen. In fact, the price of gold was down about 8% in the third quarter. So this data actually further confirms what I've been talking about over the last several weeks. There is a big demand for physical gold. It's the institutional investors, the hedge funds, managed money. They're the ones that are holding the price of gold down. We saw a huge exodus of gold from ETFs in the third quarter. It was a 43% decrease in ETF gold holdings. That reflects the lack of institutional demand, the lack of demand for paper gold. But bar and coin demand were up 36% in Q3. Total demand for the quarter for physical gold came in at 351 tons. That was the strongest Q3 in physical gold in the physical gold market since 2000. 11. Jewelry demand has also recovered. It charted a 10% year-on-year increase in the third quarter, despite what the World Gold Council called a deteriorating global economic backdrop. Year-to-date, jewelry demand is up about 2% over the same period in 2021. Now, keep in mind, a lot of people in India and China buy gold jewelry as an investment. Um, Unlike here, a lot of the gold jewelry that's sold in the East is 24-karat gold. It's pure gold. So it's not only uh, decorative, it's not only an adornment, it's also their savings and investments. So this also kind of confirms this, uh, this demand for physical metal. We've also seen a huge, uh, a huge jump in central bank demand for gold. Central banks globally added about 400 tons of gold in the third quarter. Now, that's a quarterly record, according to the World Gold Council. And year to date, net central bank gold purchase currently stand at 673 tons. That's higher than any annual total since 1967. In other words, even if there are no net purchases in the fourth quarter, central bank gold buying this year will be higher than any year since the year I was born, and I ain't young. So, All of this to say, don't just look at the price of gold and conclude, well, nobody wants gold. Gold is dead. Nobody's getting gold. Gold price is falling. Horrible investment. Nobody wants gold. There are a lot of people out there buying gold, but they want physical gold. They want gold they can hold in their hands. They want gold that they're in possession of. They don't want paper gold. And the same goes with silver. In fact, people are draining physical gold and silver from the COMEX vaults. I'll link to an article in the show notes page on the latest on that. Now, the mainstream financial gurus at the big institutions, they still believe that the Fed can fix inflation and we're only going to have a short, shallow recession and everything's going to be basically okay. They're all cut from the same cloth as Jerome Powell and the central bankers. But a lot of people who aren't buying this narrative, are buying gold. And you can buy gold. If you're interested, I highly recommend calling a shift gold precious metal specialist today. Also silver. I think both of these metals are on sale right now. I think this is a good opportunity to buy, despite the fact that premiums are relatively high due to the high demand for physical metal. Still, 
if we see the big rally in gold and silver that I think we're going to see when when the economy does melt down and when inflation becomes clearly, quote unquote, entrenched, I think that you're going to be happy if you're buying gold now. It's my opinion, but talk to a shift gold precious metal specialist and they can tell you more about that, about the particulars of the gold market, where they see things going. They can also help you look at your own portfolio, your own investment goals, and talk about how precious metals might fit into that broader strategy. So do that today. Call 1-888-GOLD-160 or uh, email them, info at shiftgold.com. Or you can just go to the Shift Gold uh, website, shiftgold.com, go to the Getting Started tab, and you can chat online right there on the website. So do that today. Um, I mentioned that today is the uh, unemployment report, and it should be out now. So I'm going to put you on pause for just a second. You know, you can go get a cup of coffee, grab a donut, and I'll be back in a second and, uh, and give you my flash read on the unemployment data. Okay, so I did what I always do when uh, the unemployment numbers come out. The first thing I did was I looked at the price of gold. And um, right now we're actually higher than we were when I was prepping this show. So gold is up 33 bucks. We're at 1663.60. I immediately assumed that it must have been a pretty bad non-farm payroll report. But as it turns out, uh, it actually was better than expected. They were anticipating 200,000 jobs added. It came in at 261,000 in October. And they also revised up the September reading. But the unemployment rate did edge up to 3.7%. Also, interestingly, the labor force participation rate continues to creep down. So more people just simply dropping out of the labor force. And I think that's a big factor when we're looking at what's going on with with jobs. Um, You would expect with interest rates increasing, uh, earnings falling, uh, a lot of layoffs have been reported. You would think that the unemployment rate would be going up quicker. But the fact of the matter is, a lot of people have just dropped out of the labor market. There are less people available to fill these jobs. And I think that's why we're not seeing uh, the the drop in the uh, unemployment rate or the, the rise in the unemployment rate happening quite as quickly. But, I mean, overall, I guess... Um, if you're sanguine about the economy, you're going to look at this and you're going to say, oh, great, you know, we're still making jobs out there. Um, we'll have to get into the internals and see, you know, how many people are working two jobs to cope with inflation? How many of these are part-time jobs? I haven't, you know, obviously I don't have time to look into the numbers right now, but uh, that's where we are. But the bottom line is uh, gold is up um, despite these numbers. So I think that that's a signal that, um, they're, they're taking it maybe as at least somewhat of a cooling in the labor market. So with that, I'm going to uh, shut this down. Yeah. Sign off. Time to go. Running long. We'll call it a gold wrap for this week. Of course, you can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shipgold.com slash news. And you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on uh, Google Play. We're on all of them. Go to the uh, show notes page and you can sign up on the podcast platform of your preference. 
I'm always happy to hear from you. You can email me, mmahari at shipgold.com. I appreciate the notes I get from folks. And I hope you have a wonderful and fantastic weekend. I will talk to you next Friday.